Have you been wondering how the new giant barbarian subclass stacks up to the competition in D&D 5e? Well, I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news. They might be the best barbarian subclass. The bad news. It might not be for the reason that you're thinking. Welcome to D4. Hey everybody, so here at D4, each week we take a deep dive into character builds for our favorite role-playing games. I like to crunch numbers about them, theorycraft about them, not so that I can tell you the right way or the best way to play a certain character, but to explore one potential way to build something in the hopes of creating a character that's both really powerful, but also really fun to play. So if you enjoy creating characters for your favorite role-playing games almost as much as you enjoy playing the actual game itself, or if you're just looking for tips or ideas on how to build something that you're thinking about playing, then welcome home. This is where you belong, and I am so glad you're here. Thank you for watching. My name's Colby, so, you know, put on a nice flannel, wrap yourself up in a blanket, grab something warm to drink, turn on the fire, light a candle, get cozy, because, uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about barbarians. <laughs> the coziest subject in the world. Nothing says hygge like barbarians, am I right? Right. I put out videos uh, every Tuesday, so if you enjoy what you see, I hope that you will like and comment and subscribe and even click that notifications bell so that you never miss an episode. Right. So, the path of the giant. Finally, when I first read about this subclass, I got really excited. It looked like Wizards of the Coast was taking a really cool idea and not only making it awesome conceptually, but also mechanically. And I could not wait to sink my teeth into them. Once I got through all of the Dungeon Dudes multi-class video challenges and the Baldur's Gate 3 feeding frenzy kind of subsided a little bit, that is. So, finally, today is the day. And guess what? I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> Mwah, mwah. I know, I know, dang it. I had such high hopes. But, okay, let me backpedal a little bit here. See, the promise of the giant barbarian is that you can make, like, the ultimate throwing monster, right? Throwing a great axe for massive damage? Awesome. And later, even throwing your enemies into the air to watch them scream, falling to the ground, and take damage when they do? It sounds so freaking cool. But... Then you start to dive into the details and you crunch the numbers and reality, unfortunately, kind of sets in. Because when you crunch the numbers, you realize that the throwing stuff that giant barbarians get, whether weapons or enemies, is mostly a red herring. It's kind of a gimmick. Okay, that's probably a little too harsh. More like these features are things that you might do once in a while when you really need to or it makes sense, but more often than not, using these like throwing abilities is a worse choice, at least mechanically, at least for damage, and that makes me super duper sad. But we'll get into why as we go, and maybe backpedaling a little further. In the end, playing D&D is about having fun, telling a story with your friends. You very well might have more fun playing this game, doing things slightly suboptimally. 
and just leaning into a character concept or theme. And if so, you should absolutely do that. Full stop. You could totally build a throne weapon and throne enemy focused character here with this giant barbarian subclass and it would be fine damage wise. Maybe I'll even do that one day where I give myself some artificial restrictions like I often do in my character builds right in the name of character concept and just see how good we can make it focused on throwing. But for my first time using a brand new subclass, I hope you don't fault me if I just try to stretch the limits of what's possible damage-wise as far as I possibly can, just to like put the thing through its paces and see how it compares, right? Because yeah, if I'm trying to make a giant barbarian as strong as I possibly can from a sustained damage perspective, then the fun throwing stuff is mostly gonna be relegated to and only when the situation calls for it use basis. And yeah, that bums me out, but. With the bad news out of the way, there is a lot to be excited about with this subclass. There's some really fun utility, there's some great mechanical power, and I think it probably scales better than any other barbarian to date. And that is worth celebrating, right? So cheer up and let's dive into D&D build number 150. Ooh, that feels kind of momentous. The Giant Barbarian. Huge thanks to my good friend Randall Hampton for the fantastic artwork that he created for this build. He's a fantastic artist. He does this every single week. If you would be interested in following Randall to check out the other stuff that he's done, or to maybe reach out to see if you can commission him for some art for your own character or even your entire party, I will put links in the video description as always on how to do so. Thanks, Randall. And first, of course, guys, I'm super excited to tell you about a new sponsor this week, Summoning Stone. If you are the type of player or DM who thinks the more immersive the tabletop experience, the better, then you are going to love these guys, so listen up. Summoning Stone is an app available for iOS that streamlines the organization of music, sound effects, ambient environmental sounds and even images, making it easier than ever to create immersive soundscapes and visuals for your game. The app integrates with Apple Music, giving you access to all of your playlists. It comes pre-loaded with a ton of sound effects suitable for both sci-fi and fantasy style games. In the app itself, once you've downloaded it, you categorize your sounds into like scenes and and then you group these scenes by campaigns to make organizing your sounds super simple. Afterwards, you can play the right music or ambient sounds from that scene and even play sound effects all with the tap of a button. For even further immersion, GMs can set an image on their scene and then screen mirror to like a TV or a monitor if you use one so that you can show the image to your players while the sounds and music from that scene is playing. This could be a map, a monster, some scenery. You can even apply visual effects, including weather, to your images, which is so cool. Now, there is a free version of the app, so go ahead, download it, no strings attached, create a scene, add some music, add some sound effects, see how you like it. I'm convinced that you'll love it, and if so, for just a couple bucks a month, you can subscribe and then get access to everything that the app offers. All the sound effects, all the ambient sounds, unlimited campaigns and scenes. You really get a lot of bang for your buck here. You've got nothing to lose. Go check out Summoning Stone. When you do, click on the link that I'm gonna put in the video description. That's how they'll know I sent you. And yeah, I am confident that everyone at your table will love the additional immersion that you'll feel when you use it. Big thanks to Summoning Stone. Love this product. And let's jump into the build. At level one for our starting class, surprise, surprise, we are not starting fighter today. <laughs> Though, Okay, fine, we actually will probably take some fighter levels later, but 
The best features of this subclass, in my opinion, come to us at levels three and six. And so we've at least got to beeline for those right away. So no early detours here. We are a rough and tumble, giant loving barbarian right from day one. As for our race, we're gonna go with one of my old standbys here, Variant Human. There are some really good alternatives you could go with instead if you are one of those that just hate Variant Humans. The Bugbear could be fun, particularly for their extra reach, which could stack with some reach features that we're going to be picking up later. The Loxodon, yes, might be my favorite alternative since it would allow us to grapple with our trunk and still make melee attacks with two-handed weapons. But again, I'm trying to just stretch the damage as far as I possibly can on this character for this build. If you want to play a grapple-focused part barbarian, at least, Loxodon, I'd suggest using my Barbarian from Hell video from a few weeks ago, or sure, take Loxodon here, but know that it will delay your damage output by quite a bit, at least through the first eight levels. And I mean, that's fine. Grappling an enemy might do more to help your party win a combat encounter than doing more damage would, right? But since I'm working in a vacuum here and not considering what your party members are doing, yes, we're going variant human because we really want a free feat. And that free feat is going to be Polearm Master. It's a D&D 5e staple. It tells us that if we're wielding a spear, quarterstaff, halberd, or glaive, we can make an opportunity attack when an enemy enters our reach, not just leaves it. Or a pike too, but nobody uses pikes. <laughs> because they don't get the best part of the feat, which is that when we attack with those weapons, we can use our bonus action to make an attack with the blunt end of the weapon that, although it only does a d4 as opposed to a halberd or glaive's d10, since it's still the same weapon, it will benefit from any other damage increases that weapon receives, which is really just super strong. Why, oh why, can Baldur's Gate 3 not get this aspect of the feat fixed? I don't know, but for those of you playing the take a drink whenever he mentions Baldur's Gate 3 game at home, take a drink. As for our starting abilities, I assume we're going with the point by method as always and say let's take a 15 strength and a plus one from Variant Human there, a 15 constitution and our other plus one there, and then a 14 dexterity. As for equipment, let's go with the gold by method as we usually do and just grab some scale mail and either a glaive or a halberd. The nice thing about glaives and halberds is that not only do they do more damage with the sharp end than any other weapon options that work with the polearm master feet, but they also have the reach property, which means that we can attack from five feet further away than normal. Always useful. As a barbarian one, then we get the rage feature, of course, which tells us that twice per long rest for now. As a bonus action, we can go into a Raging Frenzy, which lasts for a minute, gives us advantage on strength saves and checks, so grapples and shoves primarily, adds two damage to all of our strength-based melee attacks, as well as gives us resistance to all bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage, which yes, is most of the damage that we will be subjected to at most tables in most campaigns, right? We unfortunately, however, while raging, can't concentrate on or cast spells, and we are just going to like fully embrace that fact with this character today, issuing spells in all of their varieties. We are a pure marshal for this build. We hit stuff, and we hit stuff hard. The end. Now, don't forget, your rage ends early if you fail to either make an attack or take damage during a round. So that means you're going to want to carry around like some javelins or something in order to make a ranged attack if you can't quite get to an enemy on your turn to hit them, unless you're a giant barbarian, of course. We also get the unarmored defense feature here, which tells us that our AC is equal to 10 plus our dexterity modifier plus our constitution modifier if we're unarmored. But that's kind of a trap for us. We 
just don't have the ability scores to put enough into both dexterity and constitution to make it worth it for us. So stick with medium armor and your plus two bonus from your 14 dexterity. It's going to give you a better AC than going naked. Do not, I repeat, do not go naked. At level two, we get danger sense. And this basically gives us advantage on our dexterity saving throws, so long as we can see the thing that we're saving against anyway, and we aren't deafened or incapacitated. That's super handy. But then we get my favorite barbarian feature of all, but also the first and most important reason why building a throw-focused giant barbarian isn't as cool as I want it to be. Reckless attack. Because, yes, with reckless attack, when we make our first attack on our turn, we can decide if we want to attack recklessly. And if we choose to do so, we then get advantage on all of our attacks on our turn at the cost of giving our enemies advantage on their attacks against us. But the big, huge, poopy thing about this is that it only works on melee weapon attack rolls using strength. We can throw a melee weapon using our strength, no problem. But when we do so, the attack goes from being a melee weapon attack to a ranged weapon attack. I know this can get confusing. 5e isn't great at clarity when it comes to melee and ranged because throwing a weapon doesn't change the weapon to a ranged weapon, right? We're making a ranged weapon attack with a melee weapon. So we couldn't like take the sharpshooter feat and benefit from it when we throw weapons because that only works specifically with ranged weapons. Unless of course it's a dart, which is both a thrown and ranged weapon, which you can find a great build for here. Now, obviously your DM may decide that at their table, throwing a melee weapon still counts as making a melee weapon attack. And if so, awesome. Rules as written though, alas, it doesn't work, meaning that we cannot throw a weapon, or shoot a bow for that matter, and take advantage of reckless attack. <sighs> but that's okay. We're still awesome, I promise. At level three, barbarians get their subclass, their primal path. And yes, like I've said, we're going with Path of the Giant, of course. And since this is the first time that I'm officially using the subclass in a build, let's read what Wizards of the Coast has to say about them. Hmm. I haven't got to do this in a while. Barbarians who walk the path of the giant draw strength from the same primal forces as giants. As they rage, these barbarians surge with elemental power and grow in size, taking on forms that evoke the glory of giants. Some barbarians look like oversized versions of themselves, perhaps with a hint of elemental energy flaring in their eyes and around their weapons. Others transform more dramatically, taking on the appearance of an actual giant or a form similar to an elemental wreathed in fire, frost, or lightning. Oof, that's good. They get better with their descriptions, like the further away we get from the player's handbook, I think. Okay, so as a giant barbarian, we get a couple of features. First up, the like ribbon feature, giant's power. This lets us learn the giant language or a different language if you already speak giant, and lets us learn either the druidcraft cantrip or the thaumaturgy cantrip, both of which are mostly like for cool flavor and fun. But then there's the big one, pun intended, giant's havoc. This tells us that while we're raging, we transform into a hulking force of destruction. Awesome. Mechanically, it means that we grow to large size, increase our reach by five feet, nice, meaning that if we're using a glaive or a halberd, we can attack enemies that are 15 feet away from us now. And we're large in size, so yeah, we have a really big area that we can potentially hit enemies within, right? And yes, it should be emphasized here, since we already have advantage on grapple checks if we're raging, and we're now large in size, we could potentially grapple enemies who were huge or smaller, since you can only grapple enemies that are one size larger than you or smaller, right? and will have advantage on those grapple checks too. I think for this reason, barbarians potentially take over here as the new like 
best grappler in game. A position previously held by the Rune Knight. Or, I mean, at least they're like on par with Rune Knights. Each has advantages over the other, but yeah, we're not really focused on grappling with this build, but you absolutely could and should when the situation calls for it. Anyways, I digress, because this feature also tells us that when we hit an enemy with a ranged, like, thrown weapon attack, we can add our rage bonus to the damage. That's super awesome, and why couldn't they have made it work with Reckless Attack too? I don't understand. It's like, Wizards of the Coast are clearly thinking about this here. Hey, let's make a cool barbarian subclass that can be awesome at throwing stuff. Wizards. The thing that makes the barbarian do great damage is not the extra two damage that they get from rage. It's the free advantage that they get from reckless attack. Do you not know this? Surely you know this. And so, I don't know, I guess it, it feels like leaving Reckless Attack out here was intentional. As if to say, we don't want to make throwing too strong since it means that barbarians here would be able to make attacks from range, keeping them more safe. So like the trade-off here is survivability for damage. But what barbarian cares about staying safe? No barbarians, none. <laughs> so. If you wanted to throw your weapon as a barbarian, you're not going to be able to benefit from the strongest feature of the core class. And that just feels like such a huge sacrifice that I just can't imagine it ever being worth it. Unless you just like had to throw your weapon because you had no other option to make an attack on your turn, you didn't want to lose rage. And that's not fun. Gah, look at me, I'm molting. <laughs> okay, it's gonna be okay. Don't forget, we also get our third rage per day at this level, and that's really nice since it's going to mean that most of us will be able to rage on just about every combat encounter that we have in a day, unless you are at one of those tables with a very mean dungeon master who likes to make you do four, five, six, seven combat encounters per long rest, right? At level four, we get an ability score increase or feat, and yeah, since we're not going to be focused on throwing our weapons here, then of course we're going to take Great Weapon Master at this level, since it tells us that when we make an attack with a heavy weapon, and Glaives and Halberds are heavy, we can take a minus 5 to hit penalty to do plus 10 to our damage, completing that oh-so-powerful 1-2 punch of Pam and Goom. Hold <laughs> on, Master. Great Weapon Master. Great Weapon Master acronym just doesn't quite roll off the tongue the same, does it? Because, yeah, even our blunt and butt action attack, right, being made with the same heavy weapon will benefit here from that plus 10 to damage. And while the minus 5 to hit penalty really hurts, it's made much better by our on-demand advantage that we get from Reckless Attack, right? Right. At level 5, we get Fast Movement, which simply gives us an extra 10 feet of move speed when we're not wearing heavy armor, always handy for a melee character especially. But then we also get, of course, extra attack, meaning that we can now make 3 attacks per turn, 2 with the pointy end, and 1 with the butt. <laughs> Butts. But, unlike most barbarians, we're actually not leaving the class behind as soon as we hit level 5. Yay, giants, because giant barbarians at level 6 get the elemental cleaver feature. And it's pretty awesome. It tells us that when we rage, we can choose a damage type, acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder, and that our weapon will become infused with that damage type, both changing the weapon's actual damage type from slashing, in our case, to, you know, one of those things that we pick, as well as add a d6 of damage to the weapon's damage. We can even use a bonus action later to change the damage type to something else, which is pretty fantastic, since it's super rare that we'll run into an enemy that has resistance to all of those different damage types, right? 
and we can change it up on the fly if we find, oh shoot, this enemy's resistant to cold damage or whatever. Super cool, I love the versatility. I mean, let's not sell this extra D6 of damage here short. I can't think of any other subclass in the game that just gives you a feature that adds damage to every single attack with very few strings attached. Spores Druid, sure, but you gotta hold on to those temporary hit points, right? as we discussed at length in last week's video. And sure, there are plenty of spells that do this, Hex, Hunter's Mark, Spirit Shroud, but barbarians famously can't use any of those if they want to rage, can they? Here, so long as we are raging, which is pretty much the first thing that we're doing anyway on every single fight, we get Hunter's Mark level damage without having to spend a spell slot for it or worry about losing concentration, or best of all, without having to spend bonus actions all the time to transfer that Hunter's Marker Hex to a different target, since it is a buff applied to our weapon. That's pretty awesome, honestly, and will do really good things for our damage. Now, yes, we are also told, almost tauntingly, I think, that the weapon gains the throne property, and deliciously, when we throw it, it automatically returns to our hand a la the Artificer's returning weapon infusion. It's so juicy. And yeah, I'm not planning on using it unless I'm too far away from an enemy to make a melee attack on my turn. In which case, I mean, it's cool. It's way better than throwing a javelin or a dagger, right? But with 40 feet of move speed and a 15 foot reach as a large character, it's pretty rare that we won't be able to get into melee range when we need to for most of our turns. So yeah, man, having a battle axe or a glaive or a halberd that you can throw and treat as a thrown weapon, love the idea. Just wasn't executed as well as I would have liked to see. Now, we also do get our fourth rage per day at level six, and that's super nice, something I've almost never achieved on a character build before because I typically dump barbarian like a cold hot pocket once I reach level five, or sometimes even after level two or three. But at level six, it is time for our first damage report. Let's go over what combat looks like for us at this level. Let's see, we are a barbarian, so yeah. On round one, we rage, run up to the nearest enemy, and start hitting them. That's pretty much it. But we have the benefit of hitting stuff harder than any other barbarian out there, right on. Each attack does a d10 or a d4 of damage for the weapon, depending on which end of the stick we're using, plus 10 for great weapon master if we hit, plus three for strength, plus two for rage, plus a d6 for our elemental cleaver feature, which yes, applies to each attack, regardless if it's the butt or not, since it's all the same weapon, and that is just mwah, perfect. I assume we've got advantage thanks to reckless attack, and so, all told, if everything hits, we're looking at 2d10 plus 1d4 plus 3d6 plus 45 damage every single round so long as we're raging and thus against enemies with a 10 armor class we would on average at this level do 60 damage per round and against a 15 ac it's 42 dpr and compared to other sustained damage builds that i've done to date at this level that's beating out everything at very low enemy armor classes but it's more middle of the pack tier one once we get up to like the 15 and higher realm where most of our enemies will actually be at this level so nothing crazy but very very good and yeah maybe the best of all 
incredibly sustainable, and almost zero setup. I would actually consider this build to be one of the best, easiest, most reliable sustained damage builds that I've ever done here by this level. And that's really saying something. So let's see if the infamous barbarian scaling, or lack thereof anyway, comes to bite us in the bum as we continue. So at level seven, barbarians get feral instinct, which gives us advantage on initiative rolls, super nice, and also basically tells us that we can't be surprised so long as we aren't incapacitated and we rage on our first turn, which of course we're doing anyways. At level eight, we get another ability score increase or feat, and I want to bump strength for sure since it's the best thing that we can do for our damage, and also improves our grapple and shove checks among other things. Now, some of you may be expecting me to take the new feats made available to us in like the same book that the subclass comes from, right? Glory of the Giants. Now, a lot of the feats that have been coming to us lately from D&D, stuff from like the Strixhaven book or the Dragonlance book, for example, are coming with unique backgrounds that grant free feats and then additional feats afterwards that require those backgrounds in order to later take the new feats, right? Kind of stacking upon themselves in power as you go. As most of you know, I avoid taking backgrounds that give free feats, and as a result, feats that require them as a prerequisite, because in my experience, the vast majority of tables don't allow those feats and backgrounds unless they're playing in that specific campaign setting. And I don't want to pigeonhole a build like that so that it only works like I say it works if you're playing in a specific campaign setting. That said, while the Glory of the Giants book does have a background that gives a free feat, the Giant Foundling background, the feat it gives, Strike of the Giants, can also be qualified for by simply having martial weapon proficiency. Once you take Strike of the Giants, you can then qualify for a subsequent giant-related feat. And there's one for each giant, Vigor of the Hill Giant, Fury of the Frost Giant, etc. Each of those secondary feats are a half feat, granting us plus one to our strength, constitution, or wisdom, as well as some other cool benefits. Usually resistance to a damage type, and then something else you can do, proficiency bonus times per day, like more damage or some control or utility, etc. If those giant-specific feats didn't come with a prerequisite, I probably would have gone Variant Human instead of Custom Lineage so I could get my strength to 17 at the beginning and then taken one of those half feet, giant feats right here to get my strength to 18. Even though, yes, they are these chain-like feats. I figure if you're playing with this subclass, you can probably take these feats if you want to. Obviously, this book is being allowed at your table. And they're all generic enough and not campaign specific. However, while the prerequisite feat, Strike of the Giants, can be nice, letting us choose a power that we can use, proficiency bonus times per day, and then like a condition if the enemy fails their save. Since we're building this character for sustained and not burst damage, the best thing we can do is to get our strength up here. And I don't want to delay that for four more levels while I take first a prerequisite feat that would leave us at a 17 strength, and then finally raise my strength to 18 at level 12. That's just too long to wait in my opinion. If you want to go that route instead just because it feels super on point thematically and or you like the options that those feats bring, go right ahead. Especially if you can find like a belt of giant strength or gauntlets of ogre power to get your strength up without needing feats, right? Okay. At level 9, we get Brutal Critical, and this is one of my least favorite barbarian features. I like the idea of the thing. We're raging, and when we crit, we crit harder than anyone else. Cool. But in practice, it's just adding one more die of damage when you crit. So, 
instead of a 2d10 on our halberd or glaive, it would be 3d10. So on average, that's 5.5 more damage when we crit, which with advantage is happening almost 10% of the time, meaning we're getting a bump of like half a point of damage overall on average, right? 10% crit chance times the 1d10 average of five and a half. It's just cool idea, poorly executed. That said, for us, it is a little bit better than for other barbarians because keep in mind, when we're using elemental cleaver, it just changes the weapon's damage to fire or cold or whatever, and then adds a d6 of damage to the weapon's damage. So while brutal critical rules as written wouldn't add another damage die on a crit if you were, say, using divine smite on the hit or sneak attack or hunter's mark, it should let us change our crits from 2d10 and 2d6 to 3d10 and 3d6. And that's nice. No question, when you do crit, it'll feel really awesome. And don't forget also, at this level, we finally get some scaling to our rage damage. So now it's three damage instead of two at level nine. Dear Wizards of the Coast, that is not enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just isn't. Here's hoping that they increase the speed of rage damage scaling for the next version that's not a new version of D&D. Maybe like every four levels? Maybe every time you get a proficiency bump? Anyway, at level nine, it's time for our next damage report. Since last check, not much has changed for us tactically, and spoiler alert, not much will. We are a barbarian, after all. As for increases we've seen to our damage, we bumped our strength score by one, got a rage bump of one as well, and got brutal critical. So not a lot of increases. Advantage on initiative rolls is nice though. And I mean, three more levels of that fat D12 hit die will keep us standing and swinging for longer than our allies, and that's not nothing. But. At this level, against enemies with a 10 armor class, we would on average do 72 damage per round, and against a 16 AC, it would be 52 DPR. There's that lack of scaling we were expecting. But hey, we're still like, call it bottom half of tier one compared to other builds that I've done to date, and so it's not like we're in a bad place or anything. Keep it up, giant barbarian. Let's see if we can land this plane without crashing into the ground. At level 10, as a giant barbarian, we get mighty impel, and this brings us to the second thing that feels like a really cool I throw stuff feature that mechanically is just a little underwhelming, at least most of the time. We're told here that we can now toss a medium or smaller creature around the battlefield up to a distance of 30 feet, friend or foe. I cannot jump the distance. You have to toss me. <laughs> How's that for a Scottish accent? <laughs> So yes, there will be times that this will come in handy, letting you basically teleport a nearby ally to another part of the battlefield with your bonus action instead of like them having to misty step or whatever. And you know what? That in and of itself is pretty cool and pretty useful. As long as the ally that you need to toss is close to you and using your bonus action to toss them instead of making a D4 plus D6 plus 14 damage weapon attack is really important. Now. Yes, we are told that we can also toss enemies, and we can even toss them into the air. And that's so cool, because they would then fall 30 feet, taking 3d6 damage and being knocked prone. And there's no limit to how often you can do this, every turn, with a bonus action. But 
As much as I'd love to just work this into my damage rotation now, it just doesn't make a lot of sense mechanically to do so. First of all, the enemy gets to make a strength save against a DC that's based on our own strength. I really wish this were a contested athletics check instead. If it worked similar to a grapple check, I'd feel a lot more confident in our ability to pull it off. And we could even get expertise in athletics then to make it super reliable, right? As is, a lot of enemies have high strength saves, and lots of enemies are bigger than medium size, and and 3d6 damage, while nice, is kind of a lot less than the d4 plus d6 plus 14 that you could be doing with your bonus action instead. And I mean, it's almost definitely even more than that, because surely we have a magical weapon by now, right? I don't know. I wish that we could somehow scale this throw an enemy damage. Maybe we can throw them higher than 30 feet. Maybe wizards could give us a mechanic that let us do damage to both the enemy that we toss and an enemy that we hit with our tossed target, right? It's sort of get help thing. Did that hurt Loki? It should have. I don't know. Maybe wizards felt like letting the damage scale would make this ability too powerful. They are giving us some really nice utility here, and something that we could potentially use against an enemy in combat once in a while, if there's like a cliff, or a bridge, or an ally's cloud of dagger spell going, right? Maybe that's enough, and I should stop whining. I just really wanted to be like tossing an enemy every single round as a bonus action, but Polar Master plus Great Weapon Master is just better, and again, kind of bums me out a little bit. That's all. Like I've said, if you'd rather be the super thrower giant barbarian, then be the super thrower giant barbarian. Your damage will be fine. And if you have more fun with that character as a result, then that's way more important than higher damage. I just wish we could have both. That's enough, you big crybaby. At level 11, we get Relentless Rage, which tells us that when we drop to zero hit points, we can make a DC 10 constitution saving throw to drop to one hit point instead. The difficulty increases by five each time per day, that we use it though, so it won't be too long before it becomes an impossible check, right? So yeah, speaking of the Barbarian's famous lack of scaling, I know I said I was going to stop whining, but fighters get extra, extra attack at this level, right? Three attacks when they take the attack action. Man. And yeah, you're right, a dead fighter does zero damage, but at best, this Barbarian feature is going to keep us on our feet for what, two to four enemy attacks per day? And yeah, if we're getting hit by something with multi-attack, we might drop to zero, bounce to one instead on the first attack, and then drop to zero on the second attack and fail our constitution saving throw, right? And how often is the barbarian even going down in the fight anyways? Actually, I'm curious. Let me know in the comments of all the times you have played with a barbarian at your table, how many times can you think of where they were knocked unconscious? In all my years of playing D&D 5e, I can think of one time. Yeah. Anyway, it's a nice additional survivability for a character that's famously survivable. And I will stop complaining for reals now. At level 12, we get another ability score increase or feat, and that means we can finally get that strength score capped at 20. That's awesome. Uh, we also get a fifth rage per day, and for most of you, that'll probably be pretty superfluous, but sure, there are tables that have more than four combat encounters per long rest on the regular, and for you, this will be super awesome. But at level 13, you know, I've got a damage report coming up here, and since last check, the only thing we've done to increase our damage is bump our strength score by one. That's important, no doubt, but 
uh, even more so now since the DC for enemies to resist our toss is based on our strength. But now that we've capped that strength score, I might look to take a dip somewhere else to make our numbers look a little better. For this build, I think, yeah, that means fighter level. So we'd be a fighter one here. We get second wind, which lets us heal ourselves as a bonus action once per day for fighter level plus D10. And then we get a fighting style and I'm gonna take great weapon fighting. Wait, you took a fighter dip to get the worst fighting style of all time? What the crap? It's true that unlike in BG3, take a drink, where great weapon fighting is actually not half bad depending on the build since it works in that game on all the dice that you roll for an attack, like Divine Smite and things. In D&D, it only lets you re-roll ones and twos for the weapon damage dice specifically. And so, yeah, that typically means like less than one more point of damage on average. But again, we are a little bit better than that thanks to the fact that our weapons damage does a d10 and a d6. And I mean, we've got brutal critical, so that will actually make those crits even better as well. It's still not a fantastic fighting style numerically, but it is better for us than it is for most. And I'm getting a little desperate to find some damage boosts for this level at this build, okay? <laughs> Besides, we'll probably want more fighter levels anyways. So yes, for our level 13 damage report. Not a lot of big increases since last check. One more bump to our strength score and another small increase from Great Weapon Fighting. We did get some nice utility and defensive increases as well though. So it's not like damage is the only thing that matters. I know. But against enemies here with a 10 armor class, we would on average do 83 damage per round. And against a 17 AC, it would be 61 DPR. And yeah, that puts us now more like top half of tier two compared to other builds that I've done to date at this level. And for those who don't know, Check in the video description, you'll see links to like the graphs and spreadsheets that I do for all of these builds and the comparisons I make to one another, right? And I mean, hey, we have been seeing a nice kind of 10 to 15 DPR increase at each damage report thus far, and also picking up defensive and utility features along the way too. It's not terrible. I mean, what am I saying? Upper half of tier two? That's good. Hold your head high, little giant. All right. At level 14, I want to go back to Barbarian for a bit. I mean, it is my first time using the subclass. It would seem wrong not to at least get to the subclass's capstone, right? So we'd be a Barbarian 13 here, and that means we get another die for Brutal Critical. Woo! <laughs> Again, it's not the worst thing ever, and it's better for us than most. And it'll actually be even better in a second, so sure, fine. Now, when we get crit, we'll be rolling 4d10 and 4d6. That's gonna feel pretty dang cool, even if the overall increase to our damage isn't crazy huge. At level 15, we would be a Barbarian 14, and as a giant Barbarian, that means we get Demiurgic Colossus. And this felt like a pretty important place to get to. It basically just increases everything that we've gotten from our other subclass features thus far. Our reach now increases by 10 feet, meaning that with a halberd, we have a 20 foot reach now. <laughs> oh, imagine if we were a bugbear. A 25 foot reach on a large creature? And actually, no, a huge creature, because we can also grow too huge at this point. Man, we're gonna be able to hit just about every enemy in most combat encounters without moving. And yeah, because we can get to huge, we could grapple even the largest creatures in the game, gargantuan enemies, right? Without even needing an ally to cast the Enlarge Reduce spell on us. In fact, just for fun, if an ally did cast Enlarge on us here, we could now be a gargantuan humanoid. And I think this is the only player option that would let us get there, as a humanoid at least, not counting like polymorph-like spells, right? That alone is 
super fun, I think. But yeah, this feature also lets us now toss up to large enemies or smaller, which will really open up the number of tossable enemies. Our elemental cleaver bonus damage increases from 1d6 to 2d6, and yeah, that actually helps out our otherwise more lackluster, brutal, critical, and great weapon fighting style abilities, so it's a pretty nice all-around bump that felt like we'd really be not exploring the the true potential of the subclass if we'd not gotten here, eventually, at least. But now that we have, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I mean, we already got a fighter level. Let's finish the build with a couple more fighter levels here. So level 16 would be a fighter too, so that we can get first up, yeah, action surge, which is just always useful, always great. Now you could grapple an enemy or two and still have all of your weapon attacks available, for example. Of course, yeah, if you didn't go Loxodon or maybe Simic Hybrid, we wouldn't really be making polearm attacks against a grappled enemy because we need a free hand. So yeah, for this build, most of the time, Action Surge probably just means a couple extra weapon attacks once per short rest, and hey, burst damage is always a good thing, so I will gladly take it. But finally, for us, at level 17, we would be a Fighter 3, and that means we get our Martial Archetype, our Fighter subclass, and you know what? As crazy as it may sound, I think I'd actually go with just boring old champion here. I know it's super vanilla, but this just might be a case of like taking two or three bad things and combining them to be half decent. Because yeah, at level three champions get improved critical, and this just simply tells us that we now crit on a 19 or a 20, effectively doubling our critical hit chance. And for someone who benefits from critical hits as much as we do, that's a pretty nice thing. You could totally go another route. Battlemaster is always wonderful. Cavalier would give us a nice like soft taunt to help keep our allies safe. Psy Warrior gives some fun spell-like abilities that aren't actually spells, so we could use them while raging. Rune Knight is largely redundant, actually, as much as I love those runes. Anyway, the best option for our sustained DPR here is just Champion. And I need all the DPR bumps I can get because it is time for our final damage report. Since last check, we've added another die to our Brutal Criticals, added another D6 of weapon damage to our weapon, doubled our critical hit chance, and picked up some fun utility and even burst damage capability. And so, against an enemy with a 10 armor class here, we would on average do 109 DPR. We broke that century mark. And against an 18 AC, it would be 83 damage per round. And yeah, that's the biggest increase that we've seen yet between damage reports, right? Which makes me really happy. This late in the game especially, but compared to other DPR builds that I've done to date at this level, puts us about in the middle of tier 2. We hit super hard, and we're incredibly tough. We can grapple just about as well as anyone in the game, and we can even toss our friends up onto ledges or behind enemy lines, not to mention our enemies off of cliffs and into lava. So, let's break it all down here in the final thoughts. The tier score for this build, if you take the damage that they do at all of the damage reports at each of the enemy armor classes that we calculate for, just average them all into one big number, we get a 56. Putting them, as I kind of expected, in like the upper half of tier two, right below the crit fissure, interestingly enough, uh, since I think that's the only other time I've ever even used champion fighter in a build before, and just above the Oathbreaker, which is, you know, 
pretty solid company. To me, the best part of where we ended up here, so high on the charts compared to other builds, is that we did it while being almost completely a barbarian. In fact, completely a barbarian until well into late game for most campaigns. I mean, most campaigns probably won't even see level 13, so for all intents and purposes, we're a straight barbarian here, right? Considering how much I complain about how poorly barbarians scale, that alone makes this subclass pretty praiseworthy, I think. But also, yeah. I hate it when Wizards of the Coast comes up with a really cool concept like this, but then mechanically, it's just better if you go outside of the concept. Building a character that could throw a big, huge sword or a great axe a couple of times around and then as a bonus action, toss their enemy into the air and watch them fall, take damage and land prone every single round. That's just so fun and awesome. But the reality is purely from a mechanics damage perspective, you're better off taking polar master, great weapon master and making melee attacks every single round when you can. And I guess that just feels like a missed opportunity on Wizards of the Coast's part, you know? Despite that, however, this is unquestionably, I think, the strongest Barbarian subclass in the game now, at least from a pure numbers damage perspective, and they definitely scale better than any other Barbarian subclass too, and that's great. And if the throwing weapons and throwing enemies is more something that you just do once in a while, so be it. It's still a fun, powerful option that, yes, like I've said, would still be plenty viable if you did forget about the whole polearm master thing and just decided to commit to throwing. Either way, I feel quite confident that the next time I play a barbarian in game, I'm going to be playing a Path of the Giants barbarian. And yeah, I certainly hope that that day comes sooner rather than later. But that is the build for the week. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you know how much I love you because I do. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for all that you do for me, for the channel. Especially thank you to those channel members. I couldn't do this without you guys. And if you'd be interested in supporting the channel financially and getting access to the other treats and goodies that channel members get access to, click the join button down there and check out what's available to you if you become a member. Regardless, I hope you guys have a fantastic day and a really great week. And if you don't, I hope you'll hang in there. I know you can do it. I hope I see you again very soon. But until then, take care. Bye. You're dangerous. Cause you're honest You're dangerous But you don't know what you want Well you left my heart Empty as a vacant lot For any Spirit to haunt Who's gonna ride your wild horses? Who's gonna drown in your blue sea? Who's gonna taste your salt water kisses? Who's gonna take the place of me? Nobody, Bono. Nobody will ever take your place. <laughs> Don't you worry. So, you guys, if you are at all fans of U2, you have got to go see them.
at the Sphere in Vegas. I know it's expensive. I promise it is so worth it. I just went last week and it was one of the most amazing concerts I've ever been to in my entire life. Um, Admittedly, I am a huge fan, but uh, oh gosh. I think, in fact, it was so good, I think I'm going to go again. Now, I live near Salt Lake City in Utah, and so it's pretty close for me. It's not too far. It's not too hard to get to Vegas. But, man, it's so good. Go. Just go. I promise you will not regret it. Do, do, do. Mm-mm. Come on, remote. Turn on, please. There we go. Mike keeps falling. Stop falling. Come on. Come on. (laughs) There we go. Each week we take a deep dive into... Wow. Come on, brain. You got this. Excuse me. My mic keeps sinking. Stop it. Stay. You. Stay. So, cheer up. (laughs) My laptop certainly took that to heart. Take a drink. Ding. (laughs) Don't say ding. (laughs) Don can add the ding sound effect. (laughs) Either the druid cap... (laughs) It hurts, mama. Butts. <laughs> Actually. <clears throat> Sorry, Dallin, for all of the extra editing that I'm making you do as I giggle my way through the script. Okay, I need a drink of water. Be right back. I already filled up my water bottle. That was fast. Okay, shiny forehead. If an... Did I say enemy or ally? An ally to cast. <clears throat> Man, I'm on one today, aren't I? 